it feels like it's forced. Like, I feel yeah. like they're trying to force this to be a thing. Like, with the boom in the, the sports card market, they're clearly emulating that format. Like, the way that cards are numbered, they're doing that with these clips. So, you know, you have a, a Zion dunking clip numbered out of 35, just like if you get a card that's numbered out of 35, which creates rarity and it, and it creates value because there's only a set amount. But the problem is with a sports card, if there are 35 of them in existence, there's actually 35 of them in existence. With these top shots, okay, there's 35 you know numbered clips of, of this play from the NBA, but there's also the same clip available on YouTube. Like the only way I see this developing into what I think people are projecting it to be, at least you would think with the amount of money they're dumping into it, you know, putting up $30,000 plus on a single clip is if the NBA and Top Shot start going after YouTube and trying to take those clips down so that it becomes exclusive to the site. And I personally just don't see that happening. I don't see how yeah. that would work. No, I just don't think that would work from any sort of logistical aspect because youtube and google obviously billion dollar corporation so that'll never happen first of all second of all like i said i just don't understand it so i don't really want to bash these uh people for spending a ridiculous amount of money on some clips from nba games like some simple dunks and don't want to come off as a hater or whatever but like i kind of have to because I think it's very stupid. I think it's a bad investment. This could easily be irrelevant in the next year. I don't think it's similar to sports cards at all. It's comparable, but I think with sports cards, you actually have the card in your possession if you own it. And you know how many are in rotation. So therefore, the market dictates how valuable said card is. Right. I, I, don't, I don't... I just don't see it with these top shots, man. Like... This is just something that these gambling degenerates in the DFS community and in the fantasy community and the gambling community, this is just another thing for people to gamble on because they are addicted to spending money. They are addicted to the adrenaline that it gives you of wasting $30,000 on a clip that you can go see on YouTube. I think that's just what it comes down to is addiction and people want to be first right like yeah. i understand the argument that i've seen on twitter where it's like well you know i thought bitcoin was stupid too and imagine if you had been early on that but i don't know i i just don't see it because again it's not an exclusive piece of content these same clips are going to be circulating on espn 24 7 on youtube 24 7 and as long as they're available the illusion of this being exclusive it's just it's just fake and i think that right now it's being driven by a bunch of these touts touting it and like notable personalities touting it, but it doesn't seem sustainable to me. And the only way these have value is if you feel like your investment is secure and this website is crashing daily. <laughs> you know, people are like, oh, that's a good thing. It means they have more volume. No, it means that the back end is not strong enough and you're just putting a lot of faith into something that I think is not fully fleshed out yet. I don't, I don't know. The website has crashed multiple times. Um, like I said, I think it's a bad investment. But we'll let everybody else lose their money on something that I can go watch right now if I wanted to. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I think that was a, a good five minutes, uh, maybe five minutes too long talking about this. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's never talk about this again. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 
What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 129 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to be previewing championship weekend in the NFL from a DraftKings perspective, two-game main slate last real slate of the season. So, you know, after this we've just got one measly Super Bowl showdown slate left. It's a sad time, you know, it's the end of the DFS NFL calendar, but we push forward. Slate specifics, two game by game breakdowns, top stacks, how to get leverage, all of that good stuff and more coming straight for your ears very shortly. But before we get into any of that, Joey, can you tell the people how to support the podcast. You can help support the podcast in a couple of ways. The first way is just by following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. It's where we tweet out everything that we do, whether that be podcasts, videos, articles, etc. So make sure you are following us over there. The second way you can help support us is just by making sure you are subscribed to the podcast if you aren't already. So any platform you use, you can either follow or subscribe. So just make sure you are doing one of those. It's free, helps us out a lot, and we truly appreciate every subscriber. And then speaking of subscribing, the third way you can help support us is by subscribing to our YouTube channel at the DFS Dose. We're not putting out videos right now, but we have big plans for the YouTube channel in the near future, in the coming weeks, in the coming months, um, especially with the end of the DFS season. We're going to transition into regular fantasy football. We'll discuss that at a later date, but make sure you are subscribed to our YouTube channel so you don't miss any videos that we may put out in the near future at the DFS Dose. Yes, absolutely. Really exciting stuff coming, and we'll be announcing that very soon. But in the meantime, let's dig in on this slate. Two amazing games, and we're going to go game by game on this podcast talk about each of them specifically and usually we we kick off the show with Vegas lines but instead of that you know in terms of slate specifics I just want to talk about the slate specific pricing this week I think the gaps in the positions are, are they're just massive you know there's one running back priced above 6k this week it's Aaron Jones at 6500 there is essentially no mid-range at wide receiver, you've got Chris Godwin at 5.4K and Mike Evans at 5.8K, and then you're going straight up to 7K for the next wide receiver or down into the 4K range. At tight end, Travis Kelsey's 8,000 flat, and the next closest tight end is $4,400 cheaper. There's just no mid range. It feels almost like DraftKings is cornering us into a lineup construction of stars and scrubs and it's going to be almost impossible to get away from that yeah i mean i definitely agree the pricing is pretty egregious all across the board at every position obviously you highlighted um all of the the pricing discrepancies at running back at wide receiver and it's essentially a pick them which i which i guess is good maybe Uh, i think it takes away the edge a little bit but with the NFL season coming to a close, I could see why they would price the slate like this, especially trying to get you know some more users to play. Mm-hmm. Makes it easier on them to make, to make a lineup, to make a good lineup at that, I should say. But yeah, all around, pretty pretty bad pricing but we make with uh what we got so it's gonna be a gonna be a fun two gamer slate and hopefully we can uh win some big bucks yeah definitely stick around to the end of the show when we talk about how to get different i've got some ideas because you know like joey said with the with 
the slate essentially being a pick'em and such flexible salary, you're going to have to get unique in weird ways. And uh, we'll, we'll touch on that at the end of the show. But let's dive right into these games here, starting off with our first game where we have Tampa Bay at Green Bay. By the way, Joey, these games, I mean, these are some good games from like a real life NFL perspective. Yeah. I mean, we got Brady and and, and Aaron <laughs> Rodgers going head to head and we've got Allen and Holmes. I mean, goddamn. I mean, great games. Shout out to the GOAT Brady making it to another championship yeah. game. That's going to be a phenomenal game. These have arguably been, you know, the top two teams in their conferences all season. So it's always nice when the NFL season plays out with the best teams being in mm-hmm. at the end. And they're going to be great games, and it's going to make for a good DFS slate too. So a lot of good plays on this slate. Yeah, so like I said, starting off with Tampa at Green Bay, this game opened with a 52 point total. It's been bet down a point. So we're currently sitting at 51. Packers are three and a half point favorites and they have a 27.25 implied team total, second highest on the slate. The Bucks team total is 23.75, which is the lowest of the four teams that we have. You know, I think it's pretty obvious from a slate perspective that this is going to be the secondary game that people are targeting. You know, KC and Buffalo is going to be the main course. It's going to be the game that everybody wants to stack. But I will say, I think this game has a lot of potential and a lot of, and I think focusing on this game is right off the bat, one way to get a little bit different. So, you know, let's start off by talking about it from like a macro perspective. You know, Vegas is projecting this to be a tight game where points will be scored. How do you see this game playing out? Yeah, so... Just from a game perspective, I think I agree with Vegas. It's going to be a close game. Both of these games are going to be close. They have Green Bay as favorites as three and a half. If I was making the lines, I would have put it at like one. I think this is going to be a very close game. Um, I'm never doubting Tom Brady in a championship game. That's just, first of all, maybe that's my bias, but... I'm never uh, betting against Brady in a championship game as an underdog. So I like the Bucks' side of the ball, although their 23.75 team total is pretty low. I think they scored more than 24 points in this spot. It's just surprising to me to see Green Bay as favorites after they got curb stomped by the Tampa Bay Bucks earlier in the season. Maybe it's not surprising because the Packers have been a great team, but I, I think the Bucks can easily win this game. I think this game is a, is a toss-up, to be honest. It, it's going to be hard to predict which game flow to try and target because I think the Packers can get down in this game. I think the Bucks can get down in this game, uh, but at the end of the day, I think it's going to finish as a one-score game, which makes a lot of plays viable, in my opinion. And there's not really one side specifically that I think is better than the other. I th- I disagree. I mean, I don't want to bet against Brady in the championship game either. I feel like I've done that a couple of times since we've started this podcast and it's always been a mistake. But I don't know, man. I think the general tone of Twitter, you know, as the Bucks saints game was playing out was that, you know, whichever one of these teams win, you know, it's fun and all, but they're just going to be going to Lambeau to get slaughtered. And I kind of agree with that. I think the Packers are a better team. Brady, he's playing really well, especially for his age. The Bucks have a solid overall team, decent defense, but Aaron Rodgers is not going to be gifting the Bucks three interceptions like Drew Brees did. I, I think that Rodgers is playing it just an unreal level right now, deserving of the MVP, which he will almost certainly win. And I don't know, man. I think I think the Packers might might stomp the Bucks this time. Little revenge stomping. Yeah, I mean, I disagree. I don't think the Packers are going to just route the Bucks. I think the Bucks all around 
have a very, very good team. They have a good defense, good run defense. Pass defense is all right, but they played pretty well last week. Uh, Offense, I think their offense is better than the Packers' offense. That might be a hot take. I I think they have better players all around. So I I think the Bucs are live in this game. And I do agree that Twitter is on the other side. But if I'm betting... I won't save it to the end. If I'm betting, I'm betting the Bucks money line in the, in this in this spot. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you know, let's get into some of the specific plays here. And last week we were both off of the Devonte Adams wave. This week he's 8K flat, tied for the highest priced player on the slate with Travis Kelsey, who's also 8K. You know, this Bucks secondary is coming off of a lockdown performance against supposedly elite wide receiver Michael Thomas, but Adams is a different animal. Is he worth the money in your opinion? $800 more than Tyreek Hill, $1,000 more than Stefan Diggs. Like I said, same price as Kelsey. Are you willing to pay eight dollars for Devontae Adams in this spot? Of course. I mean, Devontae Adams is always a great play. But the question I have to ask you is, are you afraid of C. Murda, Carlton Davis? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Hey. I'm sorry. There, hey. uh, Michael Thomas is just hot garbage. I don't think he's anything special. Hey, C. Murder locked him up last week. <laughs> put him, put him in the coffin. Okay. Michael Thomas looked like Larry Fitzgerald running routes out there. Yeah, brutal. But uh, back to back to Devonte. I mean, he's a great play every week. Obviously, it's just with last week we were we were on the right side. I think although he scored twenty one points, he didn't even three x his salary. He wasn't in the winning lineup, so we were on the right side of that. But this week, I, I think he's my favorite. To be honest, he, he his ceiling is just so high. Rogers targets him in the red zone at a crazy high rate like this dude gets used as a goal line running back at at wide receiver like it's actually incredible and I could see him scoring two touchdowns in this spot like I said I could see this game going either way of the Packers losing or the Bucks losing and if the Packers are losing Devontae is going to feast against the Bucks secondary and so is Rodgers so for 8,000 for his target share, for his touchdown upside. I think Devontae Adams is my favorite play, but there's always a merit to fading high-priced, chalky wide receivers in tournaments, and especially when you have a guy like Tyreek Hill or Stephon Diggs, who we will talk about in the next game, who have comparable ceilings, but they're cheaper. That That's definitely interesting, but I think Devontae is my favorite wide receiver play on the board this week, without a doubt. I'm right there with you, especially because... You know, I don't, I'm personally not really considering the $800 discount to, to Hill or the thousand to digs because like I said, it, and like you said, it's just a pick them this week. So the savings don't do that much for you. You can easily fit these guys and Adams, I think has the highest touchdown upside. I mean, you can obviously make the case that Tyreek Hill has a higher ceiling period, but you know, like we've seen at different points this year, the Chiefs are, you know, very likely to spread the ball around, whereas Devontae Adams is going to be the guy, you know, 10 out of 10 times for Aaron Rodgers. I also think that he's very game flow independent. Even if the Packers get up, I think that Rodgers is still passing in this game. Out of the four teams that we have on this slate, the Bucks are the only team that I think would really 
heavily switch to running the ball if they get a lead. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if the Chiefs are up, if the if the Bills are up or if the Packers are up, they're all still passing, which is really interesting, you know, just from a, a game theory perspective and how you expect these games to flow. But if the Bucks are up, I think we see the running backs become heavily involved and, and they lean a little bit off of Tom Brady. Do you do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think if the Bucks do get up that Fournette and Ronald Jones will be the guys uh, to to roster in DFS. But going back to the wide receivers and not Devontae Adams, I, I think I have some interest in the Tampa Bay wide receivers, especially if we project the Bucks to be losing in this game, which Vegas obviously is. I think Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are two great plays this week. Antonio Brown is questionable, but he's cheap. If he's out, you got a cheap guy in like Scotty Miller or Tyler Johnson. You can go there. I probably won it. But I think Godwin and Evans are going to come in at lower ownership than obviously the three guys above them. So I think that's a spot to target in tournaments. And if I had to pick one, it, I would probably go back to Godwin. He kind of uh, he he tilted me so hard last week. But sometimes you just got to remove the bias and, and go back to him the the week after so i don't know if it's bias man this dude chris godwin in the washington game in the wild card he caught five of his 12 targets he is very clearly struggling with drops i mean that touchdown drop was egregious don't i'm even, sorry a yeah. player of chris godwin's caliber should not be dropping that pass that i mean i know i know that killed yeah. you in some tournaments that and uh cost I mean, that me was pain. thousands of dollars yeah. just so you don't need me to tell brutal. you how brutal that was <laughs> just brutal Oh my God. Yeah. And that was the situation I was in where I I had Chris Godwin everywhere in the wild card weekend and just seeing him drop like four <laughs> or five balls in that game was tilting me through the roof. So I don't know if that's bias. I mean, there's something clearly going on with this guy. Yeah, maybe, maybe there is, but I, I think that is a spot to target. Um, especially if people are in the same line of thinking that we are that maybe something's wrong with them um 5400 for a player of his caliber is too cheap and and same thing for mike evans 5800 for a top wide receiver in the nfl and mike evans is too cheap 5800 i like both of them a lot in tournaments yeah i think that's fair and i think a lot of people will opt to go lower in some spots i mean their prices stick out so i i don't think that you're gonna get them like extremely cheap but especially if antonio brown is out in this spot and he did miss practice on wednesday when we're recording this then you know i think people are gonna naturally go to evans and godwin and and probably even scotty miller at 3400 for the discount Mm -hmm. if if he's projecting to be you know a key part of three wide sets yeah i definitely agree with that how do you feel about the ancillary packers wide receivers mvs is 3900 Lazard, 4,200. I know Lazard popped off with that big play, fell just short of the 100-yard bonus, but still put up 19.6 DraftKings points, almost had a second touchdown at one point in that game. You know, Lazard sort of starting to emerge at the end of the year here, 4,200. Yeah, I think you're going to need one of them to win. That mm. That's my take. I don't know which one. I think they're both pretty comparable plays. I think Lazard is the safer option. And then MVS has the higher ceiling just because of his big playability. But I truly do believe that you're going to need one of those two to win tournaments on Sunday. Um, I think the Packers offense 
their passing offense specifically should be good against this Bucks secondary. And if they double team Devontae, maybe they might, maybe they uh, won't. But if they focus on Devontae, that should leave some easier matchups for Lazard and MVS. I like both of them. And if I had to pick one right now, I think I would probably go with MVS just as a ceiling option in large field tournaments. But if I'm going single entry, I'm picking Lazard. I, th- I think Lazard is the play. I mean, if you look at their snaps over the past two weeks, Lazard is playing on over 70% in both uh, of the last two times that we've seen the Packers play. MVS is like a 48 to 50% snap player. He's going to come in for the deep shot, so he can obviously get there, but I just trust Lazard. I mean, I've seen too many drops from MVS. The playing time isn't there. Uh, I'm on team Lazard here, but I agree with you that I think that there's a very high probability that one of these guys is in the winning lineup, and I'm just going to go ahead and put my stamp on Lazard here. It's my boy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I like it. I like Lazard a lot this week, to be honest. How do you feel about Aaron Jones, the premier running back play of the week, 6,500? There's a pretty big price gap after that. The next highest price running back is Fournette at 5,300. So, I mean, with only one high-priced running back, I think that people are going to go to Aaron Jones, like, you know, he's the he's the notable name on the slate. He's the biggest running back that we know, but it's a bad matchup. It's a bad workload split. Like, you know, there was such a, you know, consensus thought that the Packers were saving Aaron Jones for the playoffs. And that's why, you know, they only run him at like a 60% snap rate. But, you know, Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon were both involved last week. So bad matchup, bad split. I don't think I'm on the Aaron Jones bandwagon this week. I think that I would rather just punt it off and, and and pay up at wide receiver tight end quarterback yeah i think i'm right there with you 6500 is obviously cheap for a player of aaron jones caliber you're obviously getting a good price on him and he he's still one of the better running backs in the nfl on one of the best offenses in the nfl on a slate with not many running back options so i think he is going to be chalky but for all of the reasons that you said i don't think he's that great of a play and obviously the matchup is terrible bucks have the best run defense in the nfl he doesn't play 80 90 of the snaps like we would like him to i think the packers just used a hot hand approach right if jamal williams comes in and he has a couple good runs he's gonna stay in if AJ Dillon comes in and has a couple good runs he's gonna stay in and I think that's Mm -hmm. how they've approached it over the last couple of months and I think that's how they are approaching it in the playoffs so if that happens Aaron Jones is playing 55 percent 60 percent of the snaps and we don't want that in a tournament running back so for those reasons I am off Aaron Jones I think Obviously, he has the highest ceiling out of any running back on the slate, and it's kind of a tough fade, but it really isn't. It's not like there's any better options, <laughs> to be honest. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think roster construction wise, I think the right strategy is to just play two of these cheap guys and pay up at at wide receiver and for Travis Kelsey at tight end, obviously. And I think the guy that is kind of jumping off the page to me is Ronald Jones at 4,600. I know that Fournette has been the guy. Uncle Len in the playoffs is kind of kind of like a real thing, right? Um, <laughs> my boy turning up in the playoffs. And maybe his role stays the same where he's out touching 
Ronald Jones, but I truly think that Ronald Jones is a better running back than Leonard Fournette. He's been kind of hampered by the quad injury that popped up in the wild card round, and so he's been dealing with that. And they kind of they kind of eased him back in against the Saints, but I think against the Packers, it's a good spot. I think we could see Ronald Jones emerge as the lead back once again. Leonard Fournette really didn't show much last week. I mean, he wasn't bad, but he didn't really show you know too much burst. Ronald Jones actually looked pretty good. So I'd be willing to bet on Ronald Jones overtaking Uncle Len for this championship game. 4,600. He's one of my favorite tournament plays on the board this week. Yeah. Locking him in. Couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, we saw Leonard Fournette outtouch him last week, 23 to 13. But again, like you said, they were easing Rojo back in. The one thing that I will say favors Leonard Fournette is that if you buy into the way that Vegas is projecting this game to play and the Bucks will be from, you know, playing from behind, Fournette is going to be in there for the passing downs. He's a better pass catcher than Ronald Jones. Like, is he a better running back than Ronald Jones? Uh, probably not at this point, but he is a better pass catcher and Brady trusts him in that way. We saw him get six targets last week as the Bucks were trying to catch up initially. Um, I think that if we see that happening, that Leonard Fournette is going to be um, the, the guy that's, mm-hmm. you know, handling the, those passing down roles. But I think both guys are in play and Rojo is going to come, I think, at a significant ownership discount. The price is good, 4600 and the Packers' run defense is the worst run defense on the board. So, you know, why would I pay 6500 for Aaron Jones in a much worse matchup, you know, to get 55 to 60% of the running back touches when you can get that from Fournette or Ronald Jones for cheaper yeah. in a better matchup? So I, I prefer both Bucks uh, running back straight up as DFS plays to Aaron Jones this week. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. Uncle Len has had a solid uh, pass game role all season, and it just goes to show that literally any running back can catch passes. Except for Derrick Henry. Yeah, for and Nick Chubb. I mean, <laughs> well, Nick Chubb that that was just brutal. But, yeah, but pain. If Uncle Len is out there catching passes, I, I think any running back can and. I think he's a good play this week, 5,300. I, I think he will be more owned than Ronald Jones, though. Yeah, definitely. Uh, recency bias, etc. Are there any other players from this game you like? You know, Gronk, Tunyon, you know, these tight ends. Uh, uh, anybody that we didn't mention? I mean, no, nah, not really. Gronk, nah. I mean, he had five targets, almost scored a touchdown last week. Uh, so he's always a threat to to score a touchdown. He's kind of been their red zone option. But they're kind of using him just as a run blocker right now. And I think Cameron Bright is like low-key running more routes than Gronkowski over the last couple of weeks. So I have some interest in uh, Bright, who is 3000 pretty cheap. But obviously, there there's a guy that we're going to talk about in the next game that is kind of hard to get away from at the tight end position. Mm-hmm. Uh, so don't really have any interest in any other tight end. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going to play some Tom Brady. 6,100, cheapest quarterback on the slate. Definitely going to have exposure to Brady in tournaments with some double stacks of his pass catchers for sure. Really? Yeah, I think Brady is the one quarterback I don't want to touch out of, out of the four. But I love Rodgers this week. Absolutely love him. I mean, I get it. It's going to be contrarian. I think Brady will definitely be the lowest owned. So it makes sense, especially from a large field tournament perspective. And I'm glad that you brought up Cameron Bray. If you didn't, I was going to mention him. I mean, 11 targets over the past two weeks since they got in the playoffs. He's been heavily involved. 130 yards in the playoffs through two games. You know, 
averaging over 10 points per game and hasn't had the touchdown yet. So, you know, if he if he gets a touchdown in either of those spots, mm-hmm. you know, you're sailing to the money at 3K, he's going to go virtually unowned. If he gets you 15 points then and you're fading Travis Kelsey in that spot, I mean, that that could be the way. That could be the way you beat a Kelsey lineup yeah. through Cameron Brate. I mean, Cameron Brate is better than Darren Waller from what you said a couple of years ago. So, I don't... if we're if we're taking that 2018 <laughs> analysis when you uh, bashed me for the Darren Waller take and and said that Cameron Brait was better, he's the play. Three thousand. Well, I can't back down now, can I? Got to roll him in every lineup. It's basically like getting Darren Waller three K. Right. <laughs> Oh, God. Brutal. Uh, I'll never live that one down. All right. Okay. Enough is enough. Let's move on to the main course here. Buffalo at KC. This game opened up with a 50-point total. It's already been bet up four full points, sitting at 54 here. Chiefs are favored by three. They have the highest implied team total on the slate, 28 and a half, and the Bills have the second lowest total below Green Bay, but above Tampa. The big story with this game is Patrick Mahomes and the concussion. Look, I have absolutely no idea why the mainstream media is trying to like make it seem like he may not play. Like very confusing to me. Obviously, Mahomes is going to be out there. (laughs) Highest implied team total on the slate, rising game total. He's already back at practice on Wednesday. And it would literally take like a national tragedy uh, where the entire NFL gets canceled for this man not to play. (laughs) He will be out on the field as long as he is alive and breathing. If you ever thought that he wasn't going to clear the concussion protocol, I just don't know what to tell you. You know, DFS is probably not the game for you. You Go be playing checkers or something. I mean, life isn't for you. (laughs) If you thinking, if you if you truly thought that he wasn't going to play in this game, like. Life may not be, you know, the best thing for you, but, (laughs) you know, we don't promote that around here. But anyways, yeah, there was no shot that Mahomes was going to miss this game. Absolutely no shot. He got a concussion, whatever. He got choked out. He he was fine. He jogged back to the locker room. And if they were truly losing in that game, he would have came back out there. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, but I, I think they had some faith in Chad Henney just to seal the dub up. And we talk about that the Chiefs defense is actually pretty good at home. And, and Baker, he, he's been good, but there, there was really nothing to worry about. So Mahomes is going to be out there. The Chiefs are three-point favorites. I, I think that's fair. I'll, I'll say it for this one. If I'm betting, I'm betting all my money on the Chiefs this week. Not betting against Patrick Mahomes at home in a championship game absolutely unequivocally no chance i'm ever doing that so mahomes good to go he'll be out there full participant in practice today and this is the game this is the game for dfs so many good plays obviously we have all of the chiefs guys obviously we have josh allen and stefan diggs so my question to you is who do you like in this game and and no trolling okay because i know you have your little bit that you've been doing with the little buffalo love and you know riding them what riding the riding the bills bandwagon who's winning this game yeah. josh allen and the bills oh my goodness are you kidding me look i get it yeah i, I wouldn't want to go against you know mahomes in, in kc i think it's a close game i think i think that 3 is a pretty good line here but obviously the bet that you want to make is bills money line in this spot because you know we've been through a lot 
the past four years, the past year, COVID, quarantine, you know, so much has happened to this country and it's time for us to unite and come around something that we can all as Americans believe in. And I think that that is the Buffalo Bills going to the Super Bowl and winning. And look, you're calling it a bit. I'm I'm calling it the fact that I have two eyeballs and I can see the most exciting team in the NFL. And it's led by number 17, Josh Allen. I, I can't wait to play this man, Josh Allen. You know, we're talking about a team that, what it, what was it, like 20, 20-something plays before they ran the ball? I mean, that's what you want to see out of out of an NFL team. And they're putting it on Josh Allen. They're putting it on these receivers. And I'm all about it. I, th- I think Josh Allen goes in there, wins this game, and I'm excited to see it. I mean, if that happens, I'd, I'd be surprised. I truly think that the Chiefs are going to win this game. This is a letdown spot for the Bills. I don't think they get to the Super Bowl. And if they do, I, I just hope the Bucks win so Brady can just gash their soul one more time. That would be fantastic to watch. But I think it's uh, Chiefs. Yeah, but you're so you're so biased, though. You're a Patriots fan, and you live in upstate New York. Like your hatred for the Bills is like part of your personality. And once you separate yourself from that and see the magic that this man is creating on the field, this is America's team right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think they are, but you know, all good things have to come to an end, right? So it's just a fact of life and the bill season is coming to an end come 10 PM on Sunday. It's just that simple. I would say that these are the two best teams remaining. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I I think they are the two best teams remaining for sure. And it's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be a fun game to watch, but Back to DFS, I think Mahomes is my favorite quarterback play on the board this week. 7,600 has the highest ceiling out of any quarterback on this slate. And then obviously you compare him with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. That is a phenomenal stack each and every single week. I'll definitely be running that. And then Diggs is in a great spot, 7K. So I like all of those guys. And then um, I think the Bills' cheap wide receivers are are in play this week. John Brown, 4,300. Cole Beasley, 4,100. What? They both got price decreases from last week. So they're they're really cheap. And I think that's going to be very popular. Yeah. And I mean, okay. So looking at John Brown first, he's coming off of an eight catch, 11 target game and did see the price reduction. I don't think that has anything to do with like the expectation for this game. I think it's just the way that DraftKings, like we kind of talked about, they want to draw people in and make it easy to build good lineups. So, you know, the price decreases, I don't think are really reflective of like expectation. It's just, you know, marketing Mm -hmm. (laughs) from DraftKings. But, you know, focusing back on the quarterbacks and Mahomes, you know, Mahomes price at 7,600, I think it makes it kind of difficult to get away from him, even in the games that we saw, you know, recently in the playoffs with Josh Allen, where their pass rate over expectation is massive. You know, Josh Allen's throwing the ball 35 times against the Colts, 37 times against Baltimore. I mean, Mahomes, he's the same way. You know, he threw 30 pass attempts in, you know, two and a half quarters, not even, right, in in this game against Cleveland last week. So this is a game where I think realistically, 
especially if the teams are clicking on offense, we're going to see, you know, 80, 85, 90 pass attempts between these two quarterbacks. It almost makes it really difficult to have much interest in the other two guys because the volume is just going to be there. And especially if they start scoring and they're, it ju- it's just bombs away, the shootout potential in this game with these two quarterbacks and the way that these offenses run it's it's through the roof. I think it's really hard to get away from this game and from these two quarterbacks. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, Mahomes and Josh Allen are in their own tier. I think Mahomes is in a tier by himself, and then it's Josh Allen right below him in a tier by himself, and then you got Rodgers and, and Brady right below them too. That's how I would personally rank it. I, I've talked about in the recent episodes that Kansas City is a tough place to play and their defensive scheme is just incredible. They get pressure on the quarterback. Their ability to defend wide receivers is pretty good for the talent that they have on their uh, secondary. So the Chiefs defense is not bad by any means. So I I think it's not a great spot for Josh Allen. I think it's a better spot for Patrick Mahomes, although the Bills defense isn't that bad either. But I'm never fading the Chiefs offense against any defense. Like, it's just that simple. And I I think Travis Kelsey's a lock. Don't even really have to talk about Kelsey. I mean, he's 8K. I guess we have to talk about him in relation to other players. But if you're just solely picking one tight end, it's Kelsey, no matter the salary for me. Yeah. But the real decision, I, I think, in this game, if, if you're not playing both, is do you play Tyreek or, or do you play Diggs? Because $200 apart. It's, yeah. it's basically like, you know, pick one of them and hope that they outscored the other one. Mm-hmm. unless you're playing both and and then you're kind of sacrificing the rest of your lineup. I mean, I think that you can play both. I don't think that's difficult to do this week, first of all, especially if you aren't playing Adams in that lineup. If I'm choosing strictly between the two of them, Tyreek Hill versus Stefan Diggs, I'm going with Tyreek Hill. I'm sorry. I love Steph Diggs. Tyreek Hill is not the player he used to be. He gets targeted 10 plus times damn near every single week. And he has the highest, he arguably has the highest ceiling of any player in fantasy football right now. So I think that Tyreek Hill is the guy. I think you go to him. Um, Maybe if we see a large ownership discrepancy, I'm not sure, you know, which of these guys is going to have the ownership. Maybe there's a reason to go to Diggs, but you know, I, I think I would rank these guys, you know, the three elite wide receivers in the way that they're priced. Adams one, Hill mm-hmm. two, Diggs three. Yeah, I, I think I'm right there with you, especially in tournaments. I think Tyreek's ceiling is a little bit larger than Stefan Diggs. And then Adams is obviously a great play, so have him above both of them. But they're both great plays. I'm definitely going to have a lot of exposure to both. I mean, the majority of my lineups are either going to be Chief stacks or Bill stacks. And then I'm going to sprinkle in the guys from the Packers and Bucks game, the skill mm-hmm. position guys. I'm going to sprinkle those in. That's going to be how I'm going to build my lineups this week. Maybe I'll stack Rodgers in a lineup or two, but definitely stacking Mahomes with Hill, Mahomes um, with Kelsey. And then I think McCole Hardman is in play. He's 4000 very, very cheap. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see if Sammy Watkins is going to play. I, I think that's kind of a big injury to keep up on. He was he was limited in practice today. If he's out, that obviously boosts McCole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson a little bit. And I think the Chiefs double stack is the stack to play in tournaments, uh, whether that be you know, Kelsey and one of the cheap wide receivers or Kelsey and Tyreek, mm-hmm. et cetera. So. And uh, 
just a, just a couple of things. First of all, I want to go back to the conversation we had about, you know, Adams, Hill, and Diggs. Where does Travis Kelsey fit in that mix for you? Because like you said, it's not worth comparing him to the tight ends. He's clearly, you know, far and away the best. He's going to, you know, be the highest scoring tight end on this slate 95% of the time. But, you know, how do you compare him to the the elite wide receivers? Because they're the players in his price range. Those are the guys you're going to be choosing yeah. Kelsey over if you do indeed go with Travis Kelsey. And I'll just say it. I, I think Kelsey would be number two for me if we're just straight ranking them. It would be Adams, Kelsey, and then Hill and Diggs after that. Yeah, that that's my exact ranking. Okay. So so we're on board with Kelsey being a superior play to Tyreek Hill and Steph Diggs yes. straight up. 100%. Okay. So if you want to go the cheap tight end route and play Kelsey in the flex, I like that. Um, we did that mm-hmm. last week. Kind of worked out depending on what tight end you played. There there was a couple break Kelsey lineups that that were in the top of the leaderboards, but yeah, definitely Kelsey is number two. Arguably, could be number one. That yeah, uh, I, I don't hate that, but I I don't know. Uh, Devontae Adams scores three touchdowns in one game many more times than Kelsey does. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. So. From from a tournament perspective, I think that you would have to lean with Adams' ceiling there. But I mean, God, Kelsey is such a good play. Yeah, I mean, Kel- I think Kelsey's floor um, is a, is a little bit higher <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to be honest. That's crazy than, to even think than about. Devontae Adams, and obviously Adams has has the higher ceiling. But it's kind of also how you project the games to go. If you think Green Bay is going to be up, then I guess a fade of Devontae Adams is is fine. And then you play Kelsey instead since they're the same price. Uh, I don't know how many people are going to play both in the same lineup. Maybe a, a good majority of lineups will have both. So you can get unique by fading one. But I, I think the optimal lineup is going to have both Adams and Kelsey in the lineup. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think, you know, I, I primarily focus on, um, you know, smaller field stuff. So I see myself doing a lot of you know, triple stacks even where I'm just trying to nail one team going off. If that's a a stack with the Chiefs, you know, I've got Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, and a cheap asset in there as well. I could see myself going with Adams as a one-off in a lot of those lineups. So I think that makes a lot of sense for people. Going back to what you were talking about, about the secondary Chiefs wide receivers, I think it's interesting that Mecole Hardman was actually utilized over Demarcus Robinson in real life. Like that's a thing that a lot of people project a lot of the times that doesn't actually happen. But we actually did see Mecole, you know, heavily utilized, heavily targeted before Mahomes left the game and he looked pretty good. And you know, if Sammy Watkins sits, I think that there's actually a justifiable reason to go to Mecole Hardman, where, you know, at various points this season, I've been on the Demarcus Robinson train, even though it's never hit, just because he ran more routes than Mecole Hardman, which was not the case last week. So I think Mecole is interesting if Sammy Watkins sits. And if Sammy Watkins plays Joey, I mean, you want to talk about a revenge game? That is a revenge game that I buy into. That's a narrative I buy into. Sammy Watkins had a lot of demons, and he's openly talked about, you know, the time in Buffalo being a really dark time in his life. I think he would flourish against the Bills in this spot. And, and man, Sammy Watkins sub 4K in a revenge game in the AFC Championship? Whew, I don't know, bro. That, that's, that, that might be my favorite play of the week if he's back in. And he did practice on Wednesday. 
Yeah, I mean, if he plays, definitely going to have exposure to him. And he's cheaper than Hardman. So I think he would come in at lower ownership than Hardman, especially since everybody has has some weird fetish with with playing Hardman. Like, he, he's always owned in tournaments yep. on, on DFS. So Sammy Watkins in a revenge game. And nobody wants to play Sammy. Yeah, nobody at all. Uh, so if he's in there, I do like him in tournaments. Hasn't played in almost a month now, uh, which it, which is kind of concerning. But if he gets in there, I think he should assume his usual role. And if you get six to seven targets out of Sammy at 3,800, um, you know, there's probably a good chance that he gets you 10 plus points, which is, which is kind of what you're hoping for when you're rostering one of these guys uh, below 4, 4K. You just really just need 12 to 13 points and probably going to be in the winning lineup. Absolutely. I mean, a touchdown is probably all it would take, especially if we're talking about a low-owned guy. There's going to be a lot of overlap with a two-game slate, which is one of the reasons why I tend to stay away from the uh, larger field tournaments on these slates, just because it's so hard to get unique while also having a good lineup. Like You're just actively hoping for something crazy to happen with negative EV plays. Whereas I think that you know, in terms of smaller fields, all you really need to do is nail the right mm-hmm. team and game, essentially, and, and you can get there without a perfect lineup like I cashed in in lineups that I had Cole Beasley in last week because they were small fields even though he had a donut and speaking of Cole Beasley I mean I don't know if it's just destiny that one of the main three Bills receivers has to get a donut in the playoffs and it has to be the guy that I play in every single lineup because that happened with John Brown two weeks ago had him everywhere dropped a donut last week you know I was on the Cole Beasley wave dropped a donut absolutely killed like 70% of my lineups totally brutal but i mean do you have interest in going back to these guys obviously it was brown who was heavily involved with 11 targets to cole beasley's two last week but you know that's a situation that i think could shift back and forth and i think that it's possible that all three of those guys get there i mean we've seen it at points this year yeah i like these uh cheap bills wide receivers a lot definitely going to have a lot of exposure to them um cole beasley was just kind of banged up in that in that game last week um you could see that he he was limping out there uh just didn't look like his usual self so we'll see how that affects him during this week of practices so definitely have to monitor that he's gonna he's gonna play but he's banged up john brown is fine 4300 but the guy that we haven't mentioned that I have some interest in this week is Devin Singletary at 4500 interesting he was chalk last week busted predictable I played him nowhere like that that was the most predict most predictable thing of 2021 so far but I'm I'm willing to play this beta this week at 4500 in a great game environment He's probably going to be on, let's be real. I don't want to say like he he's going to come in at lower ownership than some of the guys above him because he probably won't. Like He's probably going to be chalk again, but I think this is the spot to play Singletary in a better game environment than last week. Um, the Bills are going to have to pass to win this game. He is a pass-catching running back. Zach Moss, obviously on IR. Singletary's the guy, 4,500. He's one of my favorite tournament plays on the entire slate. Obviously, saves some salary, too. Helps you jam in the expensive wide receivers. Um, and then we didn't even touch on the Chiefs running backs, either. Your boy CEH yeah. is probably going to be back, and he's 5 I mean, I was about to say, you're, you're talking about the wrong running back in this game. Nah, Singletary, it's time. Singletary is is the guy, but Ceh is only five k, and 
if he's back, he'll, he'll probably get some ownership too. But I think this is a spot to play him if he comes back as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, if CEH is playing, he's a stone lock. I mean, are you forgetting that he had his best game of the season against the same Buffalo Bills team in week six? A game that, you know, I recall you and I watching together and just, man, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. <laughs> God, that guy was tearing it up that night. It was a great night to be in a room full of CEH haters. Um, but, but, you know, he had 30 touches that game, over 160 total yards. And, and this Bills run defense is the spot that you want to attack. And I think Edwards Hilaire is good. You know, maybe he's not what I was hoping he would be, you know, but he returned to practice Wednesday. He should be healthy. The concern, I think, and that I have with Clyde Edwards Hilaire is that Daryl Williams has looked legitimately competent. You know, he was averaging six yards per carry last week against the Browns, and he's a pass catcher as well. He had four targets, caught all four of them in that game. So I, I don't necessarily see CEH coming back in this spot and getting force fed 20 plus touches, 25 plus touches again. I think that Williams has done enough to earn himself a role, but there's a possibility that one of these guys could score two touchdowns. I think that's the possibility with any Chiefs player in any given week. And, you know, these running backs are going to go overlooked, in my opinion, this week. Yeah, I mean, we were on the Daryl Williams uh, train last week. Yes, uh, played him in cash. Yep. Shout out to me. Yep, I played him in literally every tournament lineup. I swapped to him in my uh, main slate lineups, played him in my Sunday only lineups at 10%. I mean, it's clear cut that yeah. Le'Veon Bell is done. Like, yes. he, he's done. So Daryl Williams was easily the play last week. And I could definitely see him still having a role with CEH there. But he's 4,800, only 200 less. So I, I don't know if I would play him in tournaments with CEH back. If, he, if he's not back, I think Daryl Williams is a great play. But I think I'm expecting CEHN as of right now. So I think that's definitely a situation to monitor. But I'm going to have exposure to uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire this week for sure. And, you know, you include him in, in your Chiefs stacks as well. You stack Mahomes with CEH, Tyreek, Travis Kelsey, and then you go from there. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire would be pretty popular if he came back, though. I think people would look at that Week 6 game. And, you know, expect that to happen. I, I think that people might be overzealous in assuming that CEH is going to come back and be the guy. Um, I think he probably outtouches Daryl Williams, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was a 60-40 split. So if CEH comes back and he's super chalky, yeah, right then you. I think it's it's at least worth considering going to Daryl Williams just as an ownership play. Although, you know, I would be firmly on Team CEH and straight up points just in terms of tournament leverage. All right. I think we've thoroughly broken down both of these games. Let, let's get to our final segment here, talking about our tournament thoughts. Uh, and, I, and let's start off with the question that we always start off. Who is going to be in the Millie-making lineup? The stack, the bring back. I want to hear it all. For this two-game slate, I think the Millie winner is going to be Patrick Mahomes. Stunning. Yeah. Can't believe you went there. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes <laughs> with... Travis Kelsey, no Tyreek, no Tyreek, oh. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, a cheap Chiefs wide receiver, and Stephon Diggs on the bring back. That's what I think okay. the winning lineup is going to be. That's the stack. I like that. I could definitely see it. I don't know why. Like I, I want to say Josh Allen, 
right? Like that's what my heart is telling me. I understand Patrick Mahomes. It's the obvious answer, but I think it's Aaron Rodgers this week. I really do. I I think he's going to come in much lower owned than both Mahomes and Allen. Um, I think that he's going to be passing the ball a lot. And I think that it's a perfect time to target him with Devontae Adams, one bucks bring back, whether it's, it's, you know, Godwin or Evans and then full on game stack the other game uh, within that sort of a skinny Rogers stack. Um, if you want to double it in a smaller field, I think you can throw Lazard in there. Like I mentioned earlier, love Lazard, but I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have one hell of a weekend and he's got a higher total than the bills have. And I think he's going to come in, like I said, ownership discount. So I like the Packers strictly for large field stuff. I think I would focus on the, the Mahomes and Allen builds for smaller fields. Okay. I mean, definitely makes sense, especially in the Millie maker field where you got to beat out 200,000 people. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like Rodgers. Um, I definitely think he's in play. And you compare him with Lazard and Devontae and, you know, like you said, bring it back with a Bucks wide receiver or even a cheap Bucks running back. And that could definitely be the winning lineup for sure. How, how many people are going to have Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, secondary Packers stack with a Cameron Brait bring back Travis Kelsey in the flex to tight end? I mean, you want to you want to have a single, uh, you know, a unique lineup. There you go. <laughs> That's your path to it. Well, not anymore, because you do, you just gave it out. So somebody's oh, gonna God, run I that. Know. I forgot. I forgot how much we moved yeah. the needle. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Well, you know, speaking that. I mean, that kind of answers this next question in one way. But you know, how do you plan to get different? You know, how are you gonna get leverage on the field, especially on a two game slate? It can be really difficult to do. Yeah. I mean, there there's a couple ways, and you know, they're they're the pretty standard ways. Is obviously you can just construct your roster differently whether that be playing two tight ends whether that be not playing two of the expensive wide receivers but then i don't really know where you're going to spend your money on this slate you could play a different quarterback though those are kind of just some ownership leverage plays you can obviously full-on onslaught one team that you mentioned earlier in the podcast that that's kind of like a strategy you like to do is just specifically target one team hope that game or hope that team goes off uh, and, and then you're on the right side of things. So I, I think those are the best ways to get leverage on this slate. And I fucking forgot what I was the one that I was going to say. So maybe <laughs> it'll come to me after you say it because I had it in my head and then I forgot. Wow. Okay. All right. <clears throat> well, I'm ready to go. So I'll, I'll hop in here and I'm going to give two specific pieces of advice geared towards different tournament players. Um, if you're playing in large fields, like Joey typically does, like these million makers, you know, $3 play action talking, you know, multiple tens of thousands of entrants. One thing that I think is really viable on this two game slate is leaving salary on the table. And I, and I don't know. Oh, that's what I was going to say. $600 on the table. Okay. Yeah. We agree. I swear. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. right. So jump back in. No, no, no. You can take my point. We, it could be both of ours. All right. Okay. I, I mean, I'm just saying that I think that you, I think it's possible to run a lineup where you're leaving like $4,000, $5,000 on the table. Like the Millie Maker winning lineup last week had three wide receivers sub 4K, correct? Or was it sub 5K? 4K, sub yeah. 4K. So, I mean, that's clearly something that can hit. These wide receivers always have ceilings that are priced down, but there's no running backs to pay up for. So, like, it's it could easily happen again you know you have an expensive quarterback an expensive tight end with some cheap 
wide receivers. I mean, you're leaving salary on the board and that is definitely a way to get unique that still has a high ceiling. So um, I, I think that that is how you get different in large field tournaments. And we've seen it win on showdown slates. And, and you know, it's different, obviously, because of the way that the pricing is on showdown slates. But I think it's applicable even to a two game slate in a standard uh, type of DraftKings build just to leave some money on the table. I think that makes sense. And then in smaller fields, this is more of a player specific thing, but something that I've been looking at is lineups that have Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones in them. I think that that's really interesting. I think that they can both get there. I think that there are a lot of paths to this entire running back field uh, busting. Like I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, one player in this group has over 20, you know, say Ronald Jones gets 20 points and then Leonard Fournette gets 10. That that could be the optimal. I really think it could. And that there's a good matchup. I think the there's a chance that the Bucks are leaning on their run game. And if they somehow get up, which isn't going to be the game flow that people are building their lineups around because it's not the expected outcome. I think you get different right away uh, by doing that. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see these guys have 30 combined touches and you know, why not jam them in they're both cheap and then you can play three expensive wide receivers if you want mm-hmm. to so i i like the double bucks running back stack especially if you're playing you know a, a rogers to adams as, as the primary part of your lineup there so yeah i mean definitely makes sense to me so i'll be running that in in a couple of small field tournaments for sure even large field it might, it might be the optimal in large field tournaments as well i don't, I don't think we've seen that hit this year have we? We're two running backs from the same backfield, but we've definitely from seen the it same, hit in the From past. the same game, it's hit. Not from the same backfield. Right. Not from the same team. Yeah, right, yes. right. But uh, it has hit in the past, though. Yes, it has. 100%. It has, for so sure. So I, I, th- I think we could definitely see that happen, and it's not going to be something people are actively chasing because it's it's been a while. So those are what we're thinking. Joey and I both agree. Uh, you know, Leave some salary on the board for large field tournaments, and we like the Bucks double running back build for smaller fields even potentially in some large field things all right joey let's close out the show with our final question favorite long shot who's who's the guy that you're going to take a shot on that the field just is not considering yeah so i think i have two and we probably have you know the same one or two uh the first guy cameron bright i mean we touched on him three thousand he's running more routes than gronkowski he's kind of the tight end one in tampa bay now um, over Gronk, mm-hmm. and he's seen 11 targets the last two games, um, 3,000, very, very cheap, going to come in at stupid low ownership because Kelsey's going to come in at 70%. So like him a lot, and then uh, Sammy Watkins at wide receiver. We literally have the same yeah. two. <laughs> I mean, those are, those are just the clear-cut guys that I think have realistic floors and ceilings that are cheap and allow you maximum flexibility in your lineup and they go well with the stacks as as well yeah couldn't agree more i mean like you said cameron great has essentially become the the tight end one there and nobody's gonna play him like nobody is going to play cameron great he's just not one of those guys that people go after even though he has you know over 100 yards in the playoffs and 11 targets over the past two games so uh, and at 3k he doesn't even need to smash like if he gets 12 points uh, like he had against Washington, you're sailing to the money with that lineup. So I, I love that. And we already talked about Sammy Watkins in depth. Mm-hmm. It- it's a revenge game. Last time he was playing on the Bills, he was talking about getting drunk before games and feeling like a, a horseman on the field. <laughs> um, and I- I'll always respect him for that. Maybe some of the horse comes out 
against the his former team. So yeah, let's go, Sammy Watkins. All right, that is going to be it for episode 129 of the DFS Dose podcast. Uh, over an hour's worth of discussion on these two games. Hopefully, you guys picked up some of the gems that we were dropping. Like Joey said, at the top of the show, you can support the podcast in numerous free and easy ways. Number one, sub to it no matter where you're listening to this podcast. Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict. It is free to subscribe, so make sure you do that. You'll get notifications when we drop new episodes, and we will be dropping several new formats of episodes coming out throughout the off season. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And we'll be announcing that on our Twitter, on this podcast feed. So make sure you're followed wherever you can on Twitter. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have some big stuff coming there in the coming months at the DFS dose on YouTube. And finally, like I said, our Twitter, the DFS dose at the DFS dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I am at Ben Hover, B E N H A U V E R. Joey, tell them where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Joey, carrying dfs all right guys we will be back soon hope you guys uh, enjoyed the episode and uh, we'll talk to you when we talk to you